This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, there's an auspicious thought. The music died. <laughs> Here we are, WABC Talk Radio 77. If you want to be on the program today, 800-848-WABC is how you reach us. 800-848-9222. Uh, with me, as is the case every uh, Saturday, most Saturdays, I should say, is the esteemed the esteemed journalist, the esteemed yeah. broadcaster, the esteemed public commentator, um, a, a man who almost needs no introduction, but I do the introduction anyway because he deserves it, uh, Derek Hunter. Uh, good morning and good Saturday morning. Derek, how are you? I am doing well, James. Good morning to you. Yes. Um, one would have to think, Derek, that the big story of the week would be the indictments of uh, the indictment, the number of indictments against Hunter Biden. And uh, I wonder what your thoughts are on uh, that. I, Ron Johnson, uh, one of the things that is coming out today are people are looking at this saying, wait a minute, wait just a minute here. This will preclude the House investigators from actually digging in. They've been anxious to speak with Hunter Biden under oath. And now this these indictments um, perhaps have put a wrinkle in the House doing their investigation on uh, the entire Biden um, activity with Hunter. Well, yes, but you've got to understand they're fighting two battles over there in the Biden camp. They're fighting the legal battle which they can win because the system is rigged, but they're also fighting a PR battle. If you go from, what, a week ago going, I want to testify, I want to testify in public, I want to testify for, come on, let's go, to, I can't testify now because my mommy won't let me, sort of thing, it, uh, it's not a good look. He's got the, the legal system rigged. They'll more than likely um, get this, they'll get a deal, He'll plead just about anything that doesn't have jail time or has minimal jail time. What I think this could be, though, James, this could be the exit ramp for Joe Biden. This could really? be the Democrat establishment <clears throat> offering Joe one last opportunity to get the hell out of here. All right? Call it a day. Save yourself the humiliation. And why? Well, it's because they're going, to, it's, they're going after my boy. They're going after my boy. I, those evil, <laughs> dastardly, you already hear it. Him with the Moby podcast is these damn Republicans, even though there isn't a Republican in the time zone of these charges at all. Uh, it's all people who work for his dad. But they say, he's going after my boy. I have to pardon him. It's just wrong what they're doing to my boy. And I understand how that looks. So because I love my family so much, I'm going to pardon my son to spare the country this partisan witch hunt. But then I'm not going to run for reelection. Because 
uh, it would be wrong, and I understand how this appears, but I just love my boy so much. He's going to have to pretend that Hunter is Bo, because I don't think he really cares too much for for, uh, Hunter. I think all of his (laughs) money, all of of his emotion was invested in Bo. That seems pretty clear, but that, I think, is the way out. Even though it's complete garbage, Republicans have nothing to do with this. Like, well, for the good of my family. It also sort of gives him a free pass on the investigations, because there's a whole lot of damning stuff going on in these investigations that Chairman Comer has sort of uncovered. Things that are suspicious. I'll say they're suspicious. They're not conclusive. They're suspicious. Hey, here's a check for $200,000 from your brother. Okay. Yeah, but I loaned him $200,000. Oh, well, do you have any proof of that? No. Okay, that's weird. You know, Joe Biden prided himself on being the uh, poorest member of the House of Representatives or the House or the the Congress. He was a senator, the poorest member of the Congress. And then he was a poor vice president because his only income was his government salary, which we all knew is less than two hundred thousand dollars a year. And his wife was teaching at a community college uh, sort of as a show job. So they couldn't how could they afford these estates that they have they have a du- had a dupont mansion for a while in their state well that's all kind of curious and then suddenly joe becomes the bank of delaware within three months of leaving the vice presidency now granted he he got a book deal that's maybe a million dollars now you get an agent that takes 10 to 15 percent of that off the top and that's off the million and then you got to pay taxes on the million so you're getting nine hundred thousand you're paying taxes on a million that brings you down to about Six hundred thousand. You got to pay somebody to write it because it ain't Joe. It's not written in crayon, so it's got to be. Maybe he ends up with four hundred thousand dollars after that, and he's loaning half of that out to his brother. Now he does a couple of speeches, but he's a former vice president, which doesn't command the the price of a of a former president. So you got some money coming in there, but suddenly he he's loaning out money to his family members like he's a Rothschild. And that doesn't really seem possible. So people go, well, where, if these are loans, just all you have to do, Joe, simply right now, and I'll throw down the gauntlet to the president right now. You want to humiliate Republicans right now and almost guarantee your reelection because you have, would have just disarmed the GOP with their greatest weapon against you. Prove that what you say is true show documentation you don't have to show a contract it's your brother it's your son you know nobody's gonna maybe he is so uptight that he would write up a contract that says these are the terms of the loan or whatever but there is there would have to be transfers of funds from you to them for money from them to you to be loan repayment that's the very definition of the word so you show here's the two hundred thousand or the two hundred and fifty thousand or whatever it is. Here's the fifty thousand to to Hunter, so he could buy a truck. Because what father doesn't give their son fifty thousand dollars to buy a very expensive third car whilst he's in the midst of massive drug addiction? Um, just show that there's money going from you to them. And that completely explains and exonerates you from any, whether it's true or not, you can use that as exoneration to explain the money from them to you. But if you can't, then in the absence of that, we have to kind of conclude that 
especially since the money from them to you coincides with money from China to them, that maybe there's a connection and it warrants further investigation. <laughs> you know? Just, well, just then, that and then there are the then there are the stories, and you have to love these stories. <clears throat> How Hunter Biden blew five million dollars on crack, prostitutes, suits, cigars, and new teeth. Now to I got the fury of his ex wife. I don't begrudge him the teeth. And I do I did look at those expenses and if you wanted to go through them individually they're very funny and but um I've seen some of the photographs and some of the videos from the Hunter Biden laptop. Now, I'm no expert on uh, high-priced call girls or anything like that. But I thought they were pretty. You're not. I thought they were supposed to be pretty. I thought they were supposed to be pretty. That's what you're paying the premium for, right? Nobody's like, you know what? I don't I, know. You tell I, me. I, I, I want all the quality of a cracked-out corner worker, but at premium $10,000 a night prices. I don't know that there's a big market for that. Maybe that is, Hunter. Um, <laughs> it, it, I suppose it takes a special type of lady of the evening who had been shipped over here from Lithuania in a shipping container against her will, probably. You know, nobody talks about the fact that these women are human trafficked and all the resources in the... Uh, I mean, there's pictures of them everywhere. All the resources of the media. There isn't one single outlet on the planet that is spending a nickel trying to locate any of them. You can't tell me that, given the quantity you know of them, that nobody could find any of these. No, you, you don't find what you won't look for. And they don't want to find these people because they might find out that as teenagers they were groomed and then they were literally stuffed in a shipping container and have been uh, human trafficked to a degree that you don't see outside of television, movies, and um, that would bring a new dimension to this. But it, in seeming some of the clips where he's talking to the ladies and talking to their uh, handlers, shall we say, it sure seems to me that these ladies are not... Uh, confident, not comfortable, and actually a little bit scared for whatever reason. You know what else is not being looked at, which I find curious? Uh, thanks to you now, I find curious because I hadn't really thought about this. There is no investment being made by the reporting uh, community, our uh, mainstream media, to find out more about one of the line items in there, which is all this money he spent on, quote-unquote, sex club memberships. <laughs> where are these what? sex clubs? Where, where are, are sex, sex clubs? Club? Now I've heard right. I've heard tale and you would know about these because I think you lived no there I wouldn't that, no 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 I'm not you, I didn't say you patronized them but at apparently pre AIDS in New York as Adam Carolla always says oh, the best time to be alive you, you was pre AIDS mid Coke in New York but pre AIDS in New York there were uh, the bathhouses everywhere there were not just the bathhouses there was Plato's Retreat there were a bunch of well you're right I do know something about. Uh, what people said was available, like when uh, right. uh, back in the in the heyday, uh, Plato's Retreat was one. Everyone, how used are to they talk able about to Plato's exist? Retreat. Why were they not raided? Why were they not shut down? And the same thing is with these uh, sex clubs that Hunter Biden is a part of. It sounds to me a lot like you know Jeffrey Epstein's jet. If there are sex clubs in Washington D.C., can we only imagine the membership list? It can't be all that great because it hasn't kept him out of trouble and he hasn't even threatened to expose it. Like, you know, the, the manifest on Jeffrey Epstein's plane 
They're doing everything they can to keep that thing hidden forever and ever and ever, even though, you know, Epstein's dead. There's no reason to keep it hidden. But uh, they're, I don't know. I, uh, they roll, Hunter roll. I lived in D.C., in the D.C. area since 2001. I've never once, I mean, I, I don't make, you know, seven, eight figures and sit around and go, uh, what are you doing this week? I'm going to go to a sex club. Hey, well, what is that all about? Nobody's talking to me about these very exclusive sex clubs where you can drop $100,000 uh, and making it rain on the stage. But I've never heard tale of it. He's the only person I've ever heard of. Now, maybe I'm just having the wrong conversations, but it seems like that would be worthy of exploration that either in Vegas or Los Angeles or Washington, D.C., there are these sex clubs that don't seem to be strip clubs. There's a difference between a strip club and a sex club, I think. And uh, no, again, <laughs> again, there's no curiosity in the media about it at all that's the most amazing well we part do is- know that now i want to see the hunter biden movie i want to see all of this in movie form i do uh, because because you verify instance, that you're 18 and put down a credit card to see that i think it's gonna I'm be t- on uh, Pornhub. and uh, <laughs> actually hunter biden directed his own movie james you can watch him smoke crack you can watch him with all these various women you can watch him drive and smoke crack with various women no it's but we really need the, the movie director's for the- cut we, we, yes, we need the movie, though, for the rest of the timeline, because during part of this time, he was boinking his dead brother's ex-wife. Yes, his sister-in-law. Right? Now, that was common his, back in the, <laughs> the 19th century, so maybe it's just a family Because it was, it was. If, if your sibling passed away and their spouse was there with the kids and everything, you're kind of the next one in line stepped up. That was back when marriages were more a formality to help everybody involved stay alive. We've had the luxury of not needing, you know, not starving to death and, you know, having a, a, an existence that is just trying to survive another day. So we've brought in the concept of love. Everybody sort of ascribes love. That's, that's the greeting card industry and Hollywood that put that in there. Most marriages were marriages of, hey, do you want to stay alive together? Sure. Um, how, how many fatted calves come with you? you seven? That's pretty good. All right. Now, I was going to marry this other one that only had five, but let's go with you. Um, so life has changed quite a bit. But what if you really want to know my dime store theory of psychology of what went on in the Biden clan when Bo passed? And I, I'm not trying to mock Bo dying. It's a horrible situation. And uh, it, it's awful. But... Um, I really do believe that Joe invested everything in in Bo. He was the heir apparent. He was the firstborn. He was the one who was going to ultimately take over the Senate seat. He was the one who was going to be president long before Joe, you know, when he had three failed campaigns for it. Bo was the legacy. Hunter was the sort of afterthought and the bag man. You've got to keep the money rolling in. So we, you know, you might as well take advantage of this so everybody gets a slice of the action. And when Bo died, Hunter, look, you don't deter, you don't turn to crack and hookers at forty, right? You know, I'm having a good life. This I really enjoy my life, but you know what? I one thing I regret before I leave this earth is that I didn't spend a lot of time with hookers and and doing cocaine. So I'm going to go over the edge now. They talk about 
Well, when the loss of his brother really sent him over the edge, except for the fact that two years prior to the death of his brother, he was kicked out of the military for testing positive multiple times for cocaine. They never really square that circle. I think Hunter, his whole life, lived the life of a powerful politician's kid, meaning a party in high school gets out of control, underage drinking, the cops show up, they grab you, and they look at your license and go, oh, Jesus, this is uh, Senator Biden's kid. And they've already been arrested a couple of times, and like, there's no point in, if we take this kid in, we're just going to get chewed out by Biden. Let's just let him go. And his whole life is kind of let him slide, let him slide, let him slide. And then it gets out of control when you're 40, when you're with the hookers and the prostitutes and it's run out of the military. And then your brother dies. Your brother was the one you probably always wanted to be because he's your older brother and clearly had more of the parents love. So you slide into the life that was vacated by the tragedy including that sliding into your that in, you're you're very gross but yes your your choice of words is gross but accurate that sort of thing because it's abundantly clear that he well uh, if just looking at it from a layman's perspective it didn't seem like he was secretly but, in love well, with his sister-in-law but, he didn't seem like he was you know really in love with his sister-in-law he was just sort of sliding into where his brother was because he cheated on his sister-in-law as well as his wife but he cheated on his sister-in-law with everybody it was during this it was his peak prostitute time this is when he impregnated the exotic dancer all of this he was never seemingly faithful to his sister-in-law so i think there's more than something other than love involved in that and that's where my dime store psychology comes in well, I like your dime store psychology analysis, uh, Derek. I think that uh, there's so much. If you, I mean, going through this, there is really so much to, uh, to, 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 there is a, a passage in here, we'll get back to, to some of this maybe, um, of his spending on these hotels, the Chateau Marmout. He's spending 820 bucks a night for a poolside bungalow. Spent thirty-four grand on it. At the same time, he's spending thirty-four grand to stay in this hotel. He's also some of those nights paying additionally for another room, a night room at the Jer- Jeremy, and another two other luxury hotels in West Hollywood. Which, by the way, Hollywood, home of the paparazzi. You know why was no- Why was none of this ever, ever? recorded by the press in the in the papers you know you've got the, the presidential the d after the name of a democrat is not a d it's not the letter it's a tiny little shield with a handle it's a curved shield with a handle and it deflects everything you're not going to report on your own team do you think the guy sitting in the locker next to barry bonds as his head size swelled up five inches and he started hitting more home runs in his late 30s than he ever had in his 20s uh, said Hey, there's some weird pills and some syringes sitting around. No, they're not. You don't turn in your own team. You just don't. Unless you're a Republican. Um, okay. <laughs> the there's curse that. of having standards. WABC Talk Radio 77. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. And appropriately, let us um, uh, head in, I think, to this break with, uh, it, it is. Do we have music, Nick? Have we, Nick? We have no music still. 
<laughs> can you sing, Derek? Can you sing Le Freak no. by Sheik? Will you try, please? Oh, because that, you know, yeah. I can tell you that it was originally not Freak Out. It was F there off. There we go. Because they got booted from, uh, they were not let into Studio 54. We got to talk about Joe flat out lying, saying that no, he never, he, even this week, he never talked to his son about his businesses, never had anything to do with his businesses. Yep. Okay. So anyway, here we are with the double Le Freak. WABC coming back. Derek Hunter is with us. We'll be back in a moment. 800-848-WABC, the number to call if you want to be part of the program. 800-848-9222. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77. And here we are. Derek Hunter is with us. It is our Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Uh, Derek, there is so much um, in the news. Here was a story that really kind of ticked me off. Maybe I'll wait till Diane is on. A princess dies with us later today. Uh, it's great presidential liars of our time, Nixon, Clinton, and now Biden. This goes to what you were saying. Biden saying he's never discussed his son's businesses with him. But the first thing they cite in this story from the Daily Mail is Richard Nixon. I am not a crook. And I just cannot tell you how that infuriated me. Richard Nixon was this is referring to oh this gets in so in the weeds this is the republican cloth coat thing this goes back to pat nixon this goes back to and and he was never a crook and so this whole idea that he lied when he said he was never a crook richard nixon was not a crook now he may have been guilty of the cover up in trying to keep quiet on some of the details of watergate which was Nothing but a third-rate political trick. But Richard Nixon was not a crook. In fact, Richard Nixon was, um, if you go back and look at it, in my view, Richard, Richard James, Nixon was one James, of the last James, of the... James, yes, James, I just, yes. I don't think it was earth-shattering. I don't think it was the end of the world. But breaking and entering is kind of a felony. You know, it just is. You can't just gloss it. Watergate was nothing but a third rate. This it was a felony. It was okay. a political it was a fine. It was a, fine. The, the worst fine. part about fine. the worst part about Watergate this, is I'm it was wildly crook. unnecessary. Richard Nixon was going to win in a walk, and if he weren't paranoid and the people around him weren't insane, they would have just sat there and smoked cigars, lighting him with hundred dollar bills that they paid the plumbers because it was wildly unnecessary. When were these words "I am not a crook" uttered? It was well before he was ever president. This is when he was running for president after Eisenhower when he was vice president. Is this about president. checkers? Is this in the checkers speech? Yeah, yeah, the checkers speech and all that business. No, it no, was, no, no wait a second, a... wait a second. I believe the direct quote is, well, people need to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a and crook. And I am not So a crook, I, right. he was president of the United States, as a matter of fact. I remember the visual of that video of him being at the podium. So it's not from checkers. It's not from his VP time. It was during Watergate. 
if I remember correctly, I would look that up. But uh, I, I'm going to have to look it up. He wasn't I a crook. Think, I think you're right. Well, you can agree that you can disagree that he's a crook or think he's not a crook, whatever. But the timing of it, I think you are incorrect on. Let me well, I'll have to look at that because my memory of it was that this all happened back when uh, he was talking about his good wife with her. Republican I am not a crook. Nineteen seventy-three. Nineteen seventy-three. Okay, so you're right. That was fast. Google typing. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. So now here's the other thing. On this, uh, by the way, I want to speak with you before we get out of here today on how wrong you were. Uh, about what? I mean, it was bound well, to happen sooner or later, but I don't know that it did. The odds were just in I'll your tell favor you, I'll that tell eventually you now. I'd be wrong. All right, go ahead. I'll tell you now. Okay. okay, right now we have the defense bill, and I mean, again, this is political in the weed stuff, but the defense bill is now being worked through. Mm-hmm. And why is the defense bill being worked through? Because we have a, what resembles an attempt to get back to regular order, something that Kevin McCarthy said he wasn't going to do. What resembles oh, your, an your, attempt to... Your guy... Kevin your guy, McCarthy, your, your, Kevin McCarthy had finish, pushed through let eight, me of finish, 12, 8 of 12. 8 of 12. Let budget. me finish. Let me finish. You're already wrong, but go ahead. Your sure, guy, sure. Kevin, your guy, guy, Kevin, your guy, Kevin, boo-hoo-hoo, is resigning. Oh, we're so sorry, boo-hoo. I know you're over there crying in your soup because Kevin McCarthy's leaving when, Congress. When somebody but else anyway, is forced to resign and we get Speaker Jeffries, you can sit there and boo-hoo-hoo and ha-ha-ha all the way to the minority, James. Congratulations. I'll the, send you a plaque. Anyway, the defense bill is being gone through right now, and conservatives have not won a lot in it. Many of the things that they wanted are being tossed out. However, some of the things that they have been demanding are actually part of what will be voted on. Now, I don't know whether they will pass. All of this is made possible because we have a change in the speakership. Which well, you you want to add any more caveats to this thing? I don't know that uh, which, all these victories are temporary and hollow and minor and you don't even notice them. But, boy, howdy, am I not the smartest person in the world for making it so that we have basically a one-seat majority in the House. Uh, and that is, you know, with Nancy Mace and her breakup and all the talk oh. for claiming. That, oh, you heard you know, about the, that. The staffers talking about how she's talking about her sex life. She may be forced to resign and you may end up with a Democrat majority. You may, James. See, because Kevin McCarthy has announced that he's leaving at the end of the year. But if Nancy Mace starts, you know, is in a, as much trouble as it seems like with six staffers recently leaving and grossly talking about her sex life with people in the office inappropriately. If Do you she's honestly gonna, think hey, that... Hey, hey, if she's going to be forced to resign, then suddenly... I love you, the way you, you turn you, this. You I love the way to, you turn this. You have to walk right over to Kevin McCarthy's bulbous buttocks and kiss it and say, please don't resign. That would never, it, ever we, happen. Without you in there, we will lose the majority. Please rescind your letter of resignation. So, yes, I just want to throw down the gauntlet that today on December 9th, I, I laid this scenario out. I don't know that it will happen. There could also be tragedies. There could be all sorts of other unforeseen things that causes a Republican to leave and suddenly Kevin McCarthy's bulbous rear end will be You mean Kevin McCarthy you mean that district is Kevin McCarthy goes your republic 
a Republican can't win that district, is what you're telling me. No, I think a Republican can't win that district. Kevin's the only one. But I don't know if you understand how things work. Special elections, you need buildup. You need, what, two months at a minimum? I understand how things work there. So if you're in a minority for two months, if you're in, you remember when uh, that guy, Lincoln Chafee from uh, Rhode Island, Republican, quote unquote, senator, resigned from the Republican Party and became a Democrat. And it was uh, only temporary or and even with our own specter today in the middle of a term. And it switched control of the United States Senate just till the next election. It doesn't matter if it takes two months to have a special election, whatever California law is. And I believe the governor sets the time for, uh, and it happens in most states, sets the time for special elections. Would you think Gavin Newsom would go, well, this is a Republican seat, so we're going to kick this special election can four months down the road. We need people. To no, but I don't think all is And then lost. suddenly in that four months after Kevin McCarthy has already resigned and there's this race where the Democrats are in the majority in that time. The Democrats oh, you, know what, Derek, you can I reorganize refuse. the House hmm. because it only takes one person to make a motion to vacate the chair. And thanks to the rules that you are so cheery and happy about that cost. Yeah, I'm very happy with the rules. And then you've got a majority I'm of Democrats who vote. You don't even I, need your and buddies unlike you, over I'm there. not afraid. Unlike you, I'm not afraid because, oh, Kevin but McCarthy you, is gone. Outcome, what was outcome us? outcome is predetermined. Democrats the outcome will is vote not to vacate the chair, and then they have to elect a new speaker, and suddenly it is being elected by a majority of Democrats. Who okay, do you think just it's be, going to be? Who do you think it's going just, to be? Just because the motion is made to vacate the chair does not mean that that will follow. Well, no, okay? but you can also, I don't it know doesn't. what the House rules are. I worked in the Senate, but I'm pretty sure that the majority rules. The majority can uh, throw, there's never been a time when, because there have been times when people have died or resigned or whatever, where the, well, there's never been a majority this slim, but. I don't think that you guys just can't give it up. I don't you, think you, the majority you, can you be in charge. Are, you establishment lovers just can't no. give it up. Your, Show your me dear, on the doll your where dear Kevin, Kevin is touched you. Your, your dear, oh, I gotta take a break here. <laughs> that was just rude. Well, I that don't just, get why you're so just angry rude. at him. He he was not perfect. He's not great. He's not my choice. But he was there. Is this guy perfect? No. You've admitted it's amazing to me. You look at all these you can list this laundry list of flaws you have with Kevin McCarthy, and then you'll go, Yeah, the new guy's got him too, but at least he's not Kevin McCarthy. Okay, but I don't get it. I don't The get new it. guy is much better in terms of what he is trying to do than Kevin McCarthy ever was. Okay. We'll see. We'll see, because he's gonna lose his seat if <laughs> You you get your way. You get to dance on Kevin McCarthy's political grave. I'm not trying to dance on his political grave. I'm just saying I'm not going to sit down and moan and cry because he's gone from Congress, for goodness sake. I only want him in Congress because it's a two-seat majority rather than a minority, or a one-seat majority if he's there. WABC coming back. 800-848-W. Hey, we have some calls on Hunter Biden. We're going to take him, Derek, when we get back. And I, there's other stuff in the news, too. So we'll get to some of it. WABC Talk Radio 77. Saturday morning radio extravaganza continues here on WABC. In my shoes, 
Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. So 1967, this day, the Doors appeared at the New Haven Arena. Before the show, a policeman found Jim Morrison making out with an 18-year-old girl in a backstage shower. He argued with the policeman. The policeman sprayed mace in Morrison's face. What happens? Morrison goes on stage, New Haven Arena, and starts telling the audience about the backstage story. And he starts taunting the police. The police say, okay, fine. They got up on stage, dragged his ass off. They arrest him. The audience starts to riot. And there are many more people arrested. Later on, over 100 protesters showed up at the police station in demonstration and even more arrests. Yeah. He should have been son of the president. Should have gotten away with it. I'm telling you. What'd you make of that movie, The Doors? I didn't see it. Did you just, like, climb under a rock every day? Did no, you, I didn't see it. Do you have I electricity? Like, I, eh, I do, I, but I didn't watch the movie The Doors, okay? It's like I like The Doors. I love The Doors music. I never felt the need to watch the movie The Doors. There yeah. are other movies that I watch that you don't watch. Okay. Okay. Like what? How'd you like the new Wayne Shorter? Did you like that? It's not Who, a movie. Derek it's a says? documentary. There's a difference. Did you watch right? it? No. It's still a I, movie. I wouldn't watch no, a movie you about didn't a dentist. Watch it. I wouldn't watch a movie about jazz. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> but in The Doors, <laughs> one of the things that I found, it's, it's frustrating to watch. And now I don't know how accurate it is. But Jim Morrison is pretty much wasted in every scene and progressively more wasted. I thought that uh, Val Kilmer did a great job of playing him, but he just is constantly with 10 o'clock recording session, and there he is with a bottle of Jack in his hands. And, and nobody goes over to him, smacks him upside the head, and takes it away. He goes, what the hell's wrong with you, dude? Just knock it off. Um, it, I imagine what it's like to have been a Biden family member during Hunter's heyday. Is you just kind of, there, there's no way they didn't know. You can't consume $2 million worth of hookers and drugs, and nobody in the family know it. Oh, well, the family, family did know it. Yeah, there's no doubt that they know it. And dad subsidized it. Well, dad took his percentage. It's the, the alleged subsidizing is a lie because I don't think he actually loaned him the money, but whatever. The wife, the, the, the estranged wife, when he left to boink his brother's, his dead brother's wife. Yeah. While he was boinking his dead brother's wife and then spending all the money on prostitutes and all that stuff. 
um, he was the, the first wife had had enough. She was uh, she was divorcing him. Now, one of the things that came out with Miranda Devine's book is that she wrote to him, and that he and, and she accused him of spending one hundred twenty two thousand dollars in two months. The same time he was spending this hundred and twenty two thousand dollars on these various lifestyle choices, he was also cutting the payments to Buell, his wife, and to his three daughters. They he was beginning he was sending them seventeen grand a month and he chopped it down to seventeen hundred dollars. Yeah. While he was having this spending spree, spending a hundred twenty two thousand dollars over that same period on the hookers and everything else that he was doing. So and he, this guy, he, the fact that he's still alive is a medical miracle that needs to be studied because his life from 2016 to 2019 would have even killed Keith Richards, which is saying something to spend 1.6 million on from ATMs and cash withdrawals. What do you, you're not, you know, buying sandwiches with that money. You're just not two hundred and thirty-seven thousand dollars in health, beauty, and pharmacy. Pharmacy being the operative part. Uh, uh, He spent less on food: two hundred and fourteen thousand dollars, food, groceries, and restaurants over that time than he did on payments to various women. He spent one third of that amount of money. He spent twice as much on clothing and accessories. Has he got like the biggest pinky ring collection in the world? What the hell kind of accessories? do you have and then uh adult entertainment i love that there's adult entertainment there's insurance and uh the fact that he only com- uh, contributed to his roth ira in the first year <laughs> everything else after the first year is like nope nothing nothing it's all going up my nose it's all going up my nose telephone calls let's go to chris in dutchess county Chris, you're on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. You're here with James Golden, Boston Early, and with Derek Hunter. How are you? Good morning. I'm wonderful. How are you guys? Good. Good, thank you. It's a great show. So I'm not any by any means a political like smarty. I I was a libtard until I voted for Trump. And I swear I was in that voting booth. I was gonna vote for Hillary, and a voice from the heavens said, Don't do it. And I voted for Trump, and I've never looked back. But wow. I was thinking, yeah, oh, I'm telling you, it was like an experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, I've been thinking for a while. There's no way with the numbers, um, you know, with Trump and Biden, that the Democrats are going to let Biden run. My thought has been at the last minute, somehow they're going to get him out and slip someone else in, like Newsom or whoever, Michelle Obama, whatever is going to go on. And that's how they're going to, you know, get the vote. But then I just recently heard someone say, a commentator, that this is being allowed by the Democratic Party, the whole thing with, with Hunter, to find a way to just kind of logically get Biden out because of his association with his son. And that's how they're going to get him out and slip someone else in at the last minute. What are your thoughts on that, you guys? Go ahead, Derek. Well, I you think had, I, you that's sort of the scenario this. that I laid out at yeah. the beginning. It's, oh, okay, I didn't hear the beginning. I'm it's sorry. a golden parachute <laughs> being offered to Joe, you know, whether or not he chooses to take it. 
he's going to be given a choice or it could be used just as cover that you know you can spare your son jail time you can spare your son humiliation oh humiliation's a little bit late on that one but you can spare your son jail time but you you can't pardon your son and remain now joe it could be part of a coordinated effort i think joe or the people around joe are coming to the realization that he's just he's compromised mentally he can't he can't do the job he's not up to it plus there's the the fact that he's on camera this week denying that he it's all a lie he never had any meetings with anybody related to his son and never uh, talked business with anybody even though we've got hundreds of emails from his fake accounts in the government of uh, him talking to business associates about business he's attended meals he's attended uh, golf outings and things like that like i don't know what more you could possibly uh, involve him in and say it would be like hunter saying i was never a member of that sex club like okay but maybe you weren't a member but you were somebody's guest an awful lot um it, it, i don't know how that holds up i get that the media the next day after joe said that lie again repeated that lie the white house daily press briefing did it didn't come up in that so the left is working <clears throat> overtime to try and cover up for him in the hopes that he makes the right decision. But sooner or later, even just by accident, it's going to reach critical mass where they can no longer ignore the fact that there's a $200,000 check from his brother for a loan. Well, I want a few things to happen. Yeah, what? I don't think I don't think Joe I I do think that Joe Biden will be the nominee. I still think he's going to be the nominee at this point. Well, they can't Here's I, another part that I didn't get to. They can't get rid of him unless Kamala agrees she's she's less popular than him. She's the only person right. popular than him. So they want Gavin Newsom. But they can't bypass the first woman, first black woman, first Asian woman as vice president they can't bypass her without her consent for another straight rich white guy so they're kind of stuck because a lot of their base has been conditioned that identity politics is everything and skin color and which bathroom you use and gender matters more than anything else so if you get they already sort of held their nose and said all right white guy old white guy old rich white guy because black woman on the ticket if you then skip her, that is, you know, just this side of burning a cross, I'd imagine, to people who have been conditioned to believe that identity politics is everything. And you think, well, that's a bit much, don't you think? Remember just this week, three heads of universities couldn't bring themselves to admit that calling for genocide of Jews might be a little bit intimidating to Jews on a campus and could be considered bullying. But you, you point out that somebody's a little bit overweight, you're in re-education camp for fat shaming. This is how conditioned and how trained the left is on these matters, the hierarchy of victimhood. So bypassing a minority woman, a historic, if she was like the fourth minority woman, it might not be that big of a deal, but bypassing the first for another stretch, a straight, rich, white guy, that is might be the closest you come to an unforgivable sin on the left today. In 2013, on this day at the Center for, uh, for the Performing Arts, that's the JFK Center, uh, pianist, keyboardist, bandleader, composer, Herbie Hancock, celebrated 
Also, singer-songwriter Billy Joel. And this was an all-star lineup. And guitarist and songwriter Carlos Santana. What a great trio. Herbie Hancock, Billy Joel, Carlos Santana back in 213. So, coming back, more of your calls. Derek Hunter's here with us. I'm glad he brought up the uh, the anti-Semitism thing. We're going to take a look at some of that. The Harvard president's been trying to walk it back. And Elise Stefanik came out today and just nailed her again. Oh. And in Montgomery County, near Derrick, another teacher has been suspended because of signing documents with, with, from the river to the sea. Liberals. WABC Talk Radio 77. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We continue. Do not go away. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Girl, you'll be your woman soon. But that won't stop you from being on Jeffrey Epstein's plane. Then you won't be allowed on the plane. Girl, you'll be a woman soon, and you'll have to go back to flying commercial. They never get tired of putting me down, and I never... <laughs> 1988, Neil Diamond. No more business There was a poll. Yeah, this one might be right up your alley, uh, Derek. Bill Gates back in 88. will no longer return your calls. Because <laughs> he's concerned about her education. I'm sure there's nothing nefarious that went on there. Uh, Derek, in 1988, a poll was released in the United States. Said the music of Neil Diamond was favored as the best background music for having sex. <clears throat> Beethoven what, was what second. What year was this? 1988. Beethoven was second. Luther Vandross voted third. In a time of Barry White. Yes! That was. I refuse to recognize that poll. Beethoven. Well, I don't know. I mean, Beethoven. Yes. I mean, I can understand that one a little bit. Dun 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 dun. dun all right. Wait. Wait. What? No. You keep. You going. haven't listened to the rest of it. I mean, if you go through that whole movement, it is quite stunningly beautiful. Movement. There you go. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> so uh, let's see one other thing here. I want to get your take on this, Derek. Um, this. Motion. There's, there's this new, these new indictments. Do they give David Weiss a pass? David Weiss let the Barisma tax years go by. Mm-hmm. He and they intentionally let the statute of limitations run out on anything, and that way it is being alleged they don't have to look at Joe Biden with the Barisma. Uh, with his connection with Hunter, with Burisma, because, oh, that statute of limitations ran out. We can't look at it. That was intentional. I don't I don't know whether there's any way to bring them back if it turns out that this little... And, and let us remember, if it weren't for, that, for the judge, all of this, we would not be seeing any of this. If she had signed on to that phony deal that David Weiss 
and these prosecutors had worked out originally to just give Hunter Biden a blanket pass on everything mm-hmm. with just a slap on the wrist. We wouldn't it, even it be just, here. It wasn't just uh, everything that he was charged with. It was anything else he might have done in that period. Right. Anything, like, oh, yeah, and by the way, if you, you killed a couple of these hookers, you can tell us where the bodies are after you do this, after you sign this deal. It was that broad of uh, sort of immunity after that deal. So, yeah, and they also hid that paragraph explaining that. They didn't give that paragraph to the judge. The judge discovered that in the course of the hearing, and nobody could explain it. just immunize him from everything. And his lawyer said, you're damn right it does. And the prosecutor said, um, I don't know. I don't think so. And that that's why the deal fell apart, not because they didn't agree on terms for the charges that were at hand, it was that he wanted, his lawyers demanded blanket immunity for any and everything else, which makes you think, what else could there be? If you're willing to throw away a sweetheart deal because you don't want other things to, you don't want to be charged with other things you may have done that nobody's accused you of yet. Boy, again, if you're a journalist, an honest one, which I realize is like saying if you're a unicorn, but if you're an honest journalist, that would cause your ears to go up and say, wait, maybe I should make some phone calls into that. Again, it goes right. back to the thing about the women that he's filmed himself with and whatever, and they looked abused, and some of them looked pretty young, and maybe you want to find some of them to see if maybe they weren't 22, maybe they were 16 or something, just all sorts of things that nobody, the questions nobody wants to ask because they're terrified of the answers. Rocco, you have 30 seconds to hit Derek with a comment. I see you're on hold. Hit it, Rocco. Derek, yes, absolutely. Derek, you're right on. It's like you're channeling me. You (laughs) absolutely stole all my lightning, Derek. I have your baseball card. Let John give him your phone number so I could get you your Mickey Mantle card finally for Christmas. You're right. All right? All right. All right. Absolutely. You're right on. Thank you. Thank you. I Derek, agree we got to wrap me. it up here. I agree with me, James. I'm glad you do. <laughs> and by the way, that poor woman, that was, not poor, she was a great caller, that had the epiphany in the voting booth and went for Trump. I didn't have time to tell her that you're like the number one Trump hater here. Oh, so. God. But we'll get to that. Derek, as always, tell people well, where they can get, find you. You know, please. somebody says something nice about me and you're suddenly all jealous and you got to. Tell people where okay. they can find you, please. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast and apparently living rent free in James's head throughout the rest of the week. And Derek is spelled D E R E K. Correct. And Hunter is H U N T E R and podcast. Like Biden. Set. There you go. They exactly like it. We're, we're kindred spirits. <laughs> Derek, thanks as always. Thanks, James. We'll catch up with you next week. Hopefully, <laughs> my friends. Derek Hunter, ladies and gentlemen, coming back. Hour number duo as we continue our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you're on hold, stay on hold. Be back shortly. Checking in with Noam Layden and the news.
And it is our number duo here. If you want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. Noam Layden, my man, how are you doing this week? I am doing just great, James. How about yourself? I am doing wonderfully. Thank you. Noam, I can't wait. I got so many things to ask you about. Quinnipiac University did a, uh, released a poll this week. They found that New York City uh, 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 Mayor Eric Adams, 28% job performance score, the lowest approval rating for anybody that they've polled in, in the mayor. They've been polling that question since 1996. Yeah, that, you, <laughs> that means he's lower approval rating than Mayor Bill de Blasio. I mean, it's hard yes. to imagine somebody could sink lower because remember how much New Yorkers hated him towards the end. Mm, mm, mm. How do you recover from this? I mean, and what they're saying, by the way, is a lot of this has to do with, of course, this influx of illegal immigration, his handling of that. Some of it is reflective of these accusations that have been made against him with regard to a sexual assault, which I, 30 years old, I, I, anyway, I just think that's unfair. I think that these, I don't know the, the basis of it, but whether it's true or not, and I'm never going to comment on that, I don't know the facts. But 30 years afterwards, you bring a case, I just find something wrong with that. Anyway, um, but apparently all of this is taking its toll. It's like the, it's like the, the political death for, by a thousand cuts. Everything is happening. It doesn't seem to be anything going in its favor. Now, we all know, anybody that's watched politics, that things can change on a dime. So these, this is what's happening. It's a shot. It's a shot of what's going on today. Something could happen tomorrow that would bring his popularity soaring back. But this just is not trending well for the mayor. It is not, um, though he will point out that he understands this is the lowest point maybe of his mayority, a mayoralty rather, in City Hall. And he even said uh, during a press conference this week that uh, he had spoken with other mayors. He didn't identify who they were. And they said he told them, you're going to go through times like this and you just sort of have to muddle through them. Now, in this case, of course, Actually, what's interesting about this Quinnipiac poll was the migrant mess was not at the top of the list of what New Yorkers were complaining about. It was crime and uh, trash and things like that and the budget cuts. Now, the budget cuts are, of course, connected to the migrant mess. But it, migrant mess was like third or fourth on that list, surprisingly. It was really crime was still far and away the number one complaint from New Yorkers in that Quinnipiac poll. And, and I see nothing on the horizon that would change that. And speaking of the migrant mess, I don't know whether you saw this story. I think it's hysterical. It's in the, I think it's in the Daily Mail today. And maybe I got There are billboards in El Paso with a, with a picture of the New York skyline. And it says just a huge plaster with Sanctuary City, New York City welcomes immigrants. <laughs> and some group is out there. Some group that's <laughs> out plastering these signs in El Paso, Texas. And there, there are similar signs for Chicago. There are similar signs for, um, I think, San Francisco, et cetera. So there's some group that's actually 
encouraging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you got to love that. I wonder who's behind that. I got to find that out. <laughs> <laughs> they call themselves Concerned Americans. That's just the <laughs> name of the group. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, by the way, whoever's doing that. Yeah, making it miserable here in New York. You know, there was a time, James, when uh, the city claimed they were down at the U.S.-Mexico border handing out paperwork to people crossing saying, don't come to New York because you're not going to get the services you might have heard about. Now, we couldn't find any confirmation that this was actually happening. We never saw a piece of paper. When we talked to the mayor's uh, people inside the mayor's office about how this was being done, if it was being handed out, they couldn't really give us details. We don't know if it ever happened. But obviously it did not work because uh, as of today, there are 65,000 migrants in the city's care. And this is what's ruining the budget. You know, this is what the mayor, and I think he's correct, and this is going to cost taxpayers billions of dollars. It's astounding. Talk to us about these college presidents. <laughs> I think, I don't know how you felt, but I, I did not watch them live. I will tell you that. I watched them later, and I didn't watch all of them, but what I saw was pretty horrific. I mean, I thought that these congressional members gave these presidents slow softball pitches of questions that they could have batted out of the park and probably dampened these accusations of anti-Semitism on this campus if they had just said those words of like, no, I'm shocked and it's awful what's going on my campus. We've set up a committee. We're going to figure this out. But those answers to the questions when they were asked about the genocide of Jews, that they couldn't outright just give a flat answer that, no, it's disgusting. This is, uh, you know, we're looking into it. No, they, they didn't do that. And in the process, it looks for sure like Liz McGill at the University of Pennsylvania is out. I mean, from everything we are hearing, the uh, $100 million donation made by one group, they want to, they want to take that back. Uh, there are other big name high end donors who say they will not donate to the school. And then you just have alumni who've been pushing back saying it's embarrassing that this is my school. In the case of um, Harvard, you have Claudine Gay, the president there. She gave a long-form interview to the Crimson, which is Harvard's university uh, paper, and she apologized. She said, yeah, I did awful at those congressional hearings. Here's what I think. So she may have an easier time holding on to her job, and now I'm blanking on the president of MIT. Somehow the MIT president has not been dragged through the mud like those other two. Well, Ms. Gay from Harvard University went on in this Crimson interview and said, you know, she was under, basically she painted herself as the victim. What do you expect? She was under hostile questioning, and she did not have a chance to explain her truth. My truth is this. My truth is that. Well, at least Stefanik today has just has just pushed back on that. And at least Stefanik says, look, I asked you 17 times whether you thought that, 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 that this, these remarks about genocide were constituted a threat and 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 she said you spoke your truth when you said it, it, it again both of these presidents gay and one from pennsylvania basically both of them pretty much said well it depends on context it depends on the context the context and what other context is there when you have people calling for a genocide of a of an entire people there is no context other than what they said and so it, it so at least Stefanik is not having it. She's still now. This this this. You mentioned that it looks like the uh, the president of of University of Pennsylvania 
maybe out of a job. There was a story that just broke this morning that they the the board had an emergency meeting and they did not ask her to resign. But what they did ask her, uh, the majority of the board asked her to think long and hard whether she can be an effective president after this. And they are meeting again this weekend. So I think what they're trying to do is throw her a lifeline so that she can resign right. without having to be fired. But it does look like the writing is on the wall, as you said there. It looks like the writing is on the wall for her. Um, and there was that hedge fund donor. You mentioned that, too, the hedge fund donor who's clawing back. And he said he wants to claw back $100 million. When you have that kind of thing happening, I don't see how you survive in that job. No, I mean, even if they're not looking at the fact that these incidents of anti-Semitism on the campus of University of Pennsylvania in West Philly have been huge. I mean, you're just hearing from Jewish students. It's not like they're complaining about the fact that there are rallies, uh, uh, you know, in demonstration of the Palestinian rights. These are these are anti-Semitic rallies that University of Pennsylvania did not deal with. And uh, that falls on her. But bigger than that is when you take away one hundred million dollars, people, you know, the Alum, the alumni and the board of trustees look at that and they say, is Liz McGill worth $100 million? And to me, the answer is obvious there. It's, she's not. Yeah, and there's an article today. Uh, let's see, you can find it at the Daily BS. The anti-Semitism hearing shows it's long past time to drain the swamp of academia. So it's not just, um, it's not just Harvard. It's not just Pennsylvania or MIT. There's a story today also, I'll have to dig it out, um, in Montgomery County, most liberal county. Montgomery County is like being in California to me, Maryland. It, it is, they are so liberal. Another teacher there has been suspended. She decides to write on some uh, communique from the river to the sea with all that's going on. So she's been suspended, and she's not the only one. This, it, 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 are you surprised at the... Are you surprised at how widespread this anti-Semitism is, not just on college campuses, but even into the the faculties of schools, whether they are, are high schools, grade schools, how widespread this is? I think this is shocking. Yeah, I've I've been bowled over by it. I got to be honest with you, totally bowled over by it in a way that, in at least in my lifetime, I've not experienced anything like this that I can remember. And I've always been able to separate the people who are pro-Palestinian and are looking for a Palestinian state versus people who are just downright anti-Semitic. And now there's just been such a mixing of those two things. It's hard for me to separate that in any sort of way. And so when I see these rallies and people are pro Hamas, how could you be pro Hamas? I understand being pro Palestinian that I get, but pro Hamas. I mean, look what Hamas did. And to me, that's just downright, that's anti-Semitism because what Hamas did in there, you know, they went in, we don't have to retell the story, but maybe we should, could, should keep retelling it. They went in and, you know, chopped off the heads of Israelis, put babies into ovens. I mean, they did awful things. They're raping women, no doubt, in Gaza today. Who knows what they're doing to the rest of the hostages that they're holding on to. And so anybody to be pro-Hamas, <laughs> it's mind-boggling to me. Well, it is, but this is so, so my question, though, is what, what is going to be done? You can't, this is so widespread in the, the institutions of learning in America. This cannot stand. 
how do you actually affect a change here where it is where, where not only you get rid of a few people like these presidents, but there has to be a cultural change that takes place in academia. And I don't know how you go about doing that, Noam. I don't I don't know either. Uh, the great thing about these campuses in the past has always been is there's been these intellectual uh, disputes, conversations, dialogue about all kinds of things. But I felt like there was fair representation on both sides. Both sides were given a chance to say how they felt and you had conversations and sometimes you hash things out. And that's the great thing about for a lot of people about going to college, right, is meeting all kinds of people they haven't met before and having these conversations with them. Uh, that seems to be gone because there's this uh, one element of being woke, right? Well, that's a big part of being on campus. You can't offend anybody. Mm-hmm. And so if you can't offend anybody, you can't have those conversations anymore because that's part of having a conversation and an argument with somebody is you offend them. But in the end, maybe you come to some sort of mutual agreement or you resolve things. That, that's gone. That's not happening on college campuses anymore. Yeah. Wow. Well, we're going to stay on top of it, Norm, as always. Wonderful to chat with you, my friend, and it is just, uh, I'm, I'm just still, I shake my head. Every day I, I look at these news stories, I shake my head. I just think that we are in a period of time, I, had, I don't think most Americans of goodwill ever expected that we would see this happening in our own country. It is astounding, it is sad beyond belief, and I think many people are left wondering, where do we go from here to try to bring back sanity to bring back goodwill to bring back not only that but to bring back a true assessment of history because apparently what is being taught in school is not history and these 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 kids and some of these professors i I don't know how you hold these positions if you have an educated view of the world i just don't yeah well they're they're afraid to fire those people they, yeah, it's all part of this whole thing that, you know, Liz McGill is up against, right? I, I Look, I, I don't know if she's anti-Semitic. I'm guessing she's not. But she's feeling the pressure from this part of the university that tells her you have to answer these questions in these ways or we're going to push you out. So I, I think she was in a no-win situation. Look, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not defending her. What she did was terrible. But she wasn't. she's not going to win that argument on campus because – uh, there's one side that's saying that you have to be politically correct and you have to answer these questions this way, and then the other side, which is much smaller, unfortunately, is pushing back the other way. She just doesn't. She doesn't win that battle. I hope not. And Norm, thank you so much. We'll check with you, my friend. Next, Thanks, James. Next time, thank you so much, Norm Layton, WABC News, ladies and gentlemen. This is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Later on today, we will hear from Princess Di. Our our small caffeine our, our our American small caffeinated mom. Well, she's under the weather today, so she's going to have a day to recover today. But her essay will be up on the Daily BS later on. Yeah, Christmas season on WABC Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Keep it right here and do not go away. Your calls. Got a lot of calls on hold. We're going to get to some calls soon when we get back. 800-848-WABC. Didn't start the fire. Two weeks at number one on this day. It starts 1989. 
This is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Carlos Santana brings us back. We mentioned he was a part of a trio of musicians honored at the Kennedy Center back in 2013. Herbie Hancock, Billy Joel, and Carlos Santana. On WABC, I found that story about the Montgomery County public school teacher. It's in the uh, Amazon Prime Washington Post. Oh, Amazon is under assault from the government, from your government. Let me find, I know where I have that story. That story's in back of me. Give me one second. Okay, where is it? Here it is. It's right on the top of this back. Oh, there's another Amazon story there. Hmm, let me grab that, too. Okay. I'm back. All right, here we go. I'm back, wise guy, half Brit Nick. Okay. I didn't forget about the teacher, but here, Amazon is being sued by the FTC and 17 states. The news broke earlier this week. They're suing Amazon. U.S. regulators and 17 states are suing Amazon over allegations the e-commerce behemoth abuses its position in the marketplace to inflate prices on and off its platform. They overcharge sellers and they stifle competition. The lawsuit filed in federal court in Amazon's home state of Washington is a result of a year-long investigation into the company's business and one of the most significant legal challenges brought against it in its nearly 30-year history. So, the government. Governments. Who didn't get paid? That's my question. Who didn't get paid? How did this thing happen? Who didn't get paid? Amazon's internal plans to advance its interest in California are laid bare in a leaked memo. And now we've got memos leaking from inside the Amazon Prime Amazon. An internal, and to me this is not even worthy of a news story, but it's a news story. And the internal Amazon memo has provided a stark look at the company's carefully laid out plans to grow its influence, well, that's a crime, in Southern California through a plethora of efforts that include burnishing its reputation through charity work. Oh, how dare them! Amazon wants to actually burnish their image by by having charity work. Imagine that. How terrible. pushing back against labor agitation from the Teamsters and other groups. Oh, you mean they don't want unions coming in and screwing up their company like the unions screw up everything else they touch? 
This is not bad for Amazon. You know, I mean, really. I, I've been hearing complaints about Amazon ever since there was an Amazon. And I have been using Amazon. I remember when Amazon, I remember the first time I went on Amazon. I was living in, in, um, in, Engle, in Englewood. And my neighbor was a kid, young kid, great kid. And, you know, this is back in the days of the modem. Because I had a 14-4 global something modem. And, and, and so he was like, he was deep in the computers. He, and I wasn't as deep. And he's like, man, let me show you this site. This site, these guys sell books. And, and, and it was just like Amazon was on like a one page. It looked like a one page website, almost looked like the kind of format that Drudge had where you just had the title up front and then you had this whole list of stuff underneath. And it was this little site that had just started up called Amazon. And look what they have become. I think Amazon, I know there are Amazon haters out there. I'm not one of them. I like the Amazon people. I like when they bring packages. I like that they don't have to call your phone to tell you, oh, you know, whatever, whatever. We They just show up with your stuff. I like the fact that I, okay, yes, I'll go all the way into this. I love the fact that Amazon bought up Whole Foods. I love it. And so you call for Whole Foods now, you can get your stuff delivered to you. It's all Amazon. The Amazon people bring your Whole Foods stuff. Is Whole Foods stuff a little pricey? Well, so what? It's the convenience of it all. I love the fact that you can go on Amazon and find almost anything. And now, some in some cases, the stuff can get to you on the same day, depending on what it is, or it can get to you tomorrow and get early, and it's there. I love the fact. I love Amazon. Amazon makes my life so much easier. You run out of some stuff in the house. You don't have to go around shopping through 10 stores to see if it's there, and then you can compare all the stuff that's there. I love Amazon. But Amazon has put the moms and pops out of business. You, you, how dare Amazon? They put the... Amazon keeps the mom and pops in businesses. Because the mom and pops open up stores on Amazon. And now they don't have to just sell in their local area. The moms and pops out in, in Ipswich, Louisiana can put their stuff on the marketplace and have it shipped to New York overnight, and you can buy stuff from all over. So Amazon's not putting local businesses out of business. It's helping smart local businesses expand their reach and stay in business. So come on. And then you can get used stuff if you don't want to buy the new stuff. Let's say you want to get a, a, a I know, Kids, excuse me, there's this thing called CDs, and old people used to like to play them. And some old people still have CD players. Never mind what it is, I know you stream. But so, for old people to get their music with CDs, for instance, if you if you found a rare CD, but you say, oh man, they want too much money for it, you go underneath, and then you can find, 
oh, this guy's selling it used, and you, it's in pretty good shape, and it's for a few bucks, and you get it. They have made life so much easier. I do not understand the Amazon hate. I've never understood the Amazon hate. I don't understand the Amazon hate. And if it wasn't Amazon, let me just ask Ebonic. Let me ask you a question. Carlos, you like the Ebonics men? Yeah. Let me ask you a question, ladies and gentlemen. What I want to ask you is this. If you didn't have Amazon in your life, would your life be more difficult or would your life be more complicated, about the same, you don't care? Half Brit Nick, you first. If you didn't have Amazon, would your life be worse, better, whatever, about the same, you don't care? You know, we were just talking about it back in the studio. I think my life would be more difficult. You know, we were, we were saying Amazon, they don't, it's not about the products they sell, it's the convenience, you know? No one else is going to deliver faster than them. They're, you're going to get that overnight delivery. And the Amazon Prime, it's only like a couple bucks a month. So I think it would be a detriment. Yeah, especially living in the city when you can't, you know, get certain things, get delivered. You got you to deliver stuff to your apartment. Amazon gets it really quick. Yeah, Carlos, what do you think? I'm not hearing you. What do you think, amigo? Really quick. Way, 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 way more difficult. So, so you are an Amazon fan. You use Amazon. I used Amazon before I got here today. Like, I needed some more some, some batteries, so I got some batteries from Amazon. Boom. Okay. Yeah, I'm assuming TJ, you like Amazon too. Yeah, I mean nobody's even talking about the, the video. The video. The Amazon The lockers. You know hmm yeah 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 you know what and sometimes they get your stuff early to you too they put a projected date and it shows up at your house even before then if they can pull it off so there's some amazon fans in the house now now you know aoc and her crowd they're amazon haters and i would just like to remind all of you that a that amazon wanted to put their headquarters in new york it would have meant plenty of jobs for new yorkers but your congresswoman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and your city council hated on Amazon so much that Amazon said, you know what, screw that, we'll go elsewhere. And since then, Bezos married this chicky-poo, and he started having fun with his life, and he decided to get out of that rat hole in Washington state with all those progressives always hounding him, and he moved down to Miami. There was just a, a, a big news story about uh, Bezos and his wife. She had half her boob out, so that was the focus of the news story. Look at her side boob. Ugh, no, thank you. Um, while she was going through Art Basel, or Basel, Art, Art Basel, Basel. Will Smith is down there, too, with some Jada Pickett lookalike. Um, he is. He is. The first time I've seen Will Smith in a while, he's not slapping anybody either. Um, so anyway, but Amazon or not, the, your government is now, they, they try, your government tries to screw up everything that, that you find convenient. If you like it, if you have voted for it with your wallet and you like it, you, and, and it's good and it helps your life, you can guarantee 
that some liberals, and these all may not be liberals, by the way, because there's 17 attorney generals, but you can bet your government's going to try to shut it down. You just like it too much. Anyway, it is time for a break. And it is also time, ladies and gentlemen, at the halfway mark here on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza to get up. I love the way Carlos is working it. He has the moves. Carlos, you got a girlfriend? I'm not asking for myself. I'm I'm straight. Are you cool? All right. I'm just letting the ladies know. There are two young single guys here at WABC. You got half Brit Nick, who looks like Tom Selleck. You got Carlos, who looks like he comes somewhere out of a nice, you know, relaxed, chill movie scene. And he knows how to dance. And everybody's dancing and grooving because it is time for the morning dance. Spyro Gyra, TJ's up. We're all rocking it here, moving it along on Saturday morning on our radio extravaganza here on WABC. Remember, Princess Di will be with us a little bit later. Your telephone calls are coming up. And you can weigh in. If you're an Amazon hater, we welcome your calls, too. But the unanimous consent here is we all love Amazon. At least, let me just amend that. I'm not talking about Amazon Web Services. I'm talking about Amazon The Store Platform. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC. 1966, the supergroup Cream released their debut studio album, Fresh Cream. Eric Clapton, Jack Bruce, Ginger Baker also released their second single, I Feel Free, on the same day. Well, you talk about the influence of American blues. American blues. Yeah. All over the British invasion. WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden Snurley with you here. All right, here's that story, and then we're going to get to some phone calls. A Montgomery County. As soon as you hear Montgomery County, just think to yourself, uber-liberal, California-like location. Montgomery County is so liberal. It is ridiculously liberal. It is like, it's like being in a mini-California state. A Montgomery County public schools employee alleges, you see, she's the victim, that school officials discriminated against her by placing her on administrative leave for writing from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free 
in her school email signature. In her school email signature. Hajur El Hagan says in the complaint filed to the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission that other employees at Argyle Middle School, that's in Silver Spring, Maryland, which, by the way, is about 40 minutes right from the Capitol, 40 minutes from D.C., other employees at Argyle Middle School in Silver Spring similarly have expressed support for political and social causes through their email signatures, but she was the only employee known to ever face disciplinary action. <laughs> you picked on me. You're picking on me. The phrase from the river to the sea is a decades old rallying cry. Listen to the way that the Washington Post, listen, listen to the way that the Amazon Prime Washington Post yeah, I said I like the Amazon Prime. I didn't say I like the Amazon Prime Washington Post. Listen to way listen to the way the Amazon Prime Washington Post says this. The phrase from the river to the sea is a decades old rallying cry for Palestinian nationalist aspirations. But it's sometimes also interpreted by some as a call to eradicate Israel. Really? It is an open call for the genocide of Israel from the river, the Jordan River, to the sea. Get rid of everything. Palestine will be, it will be all Palestine, no Israel. It is a call for genocide. Huh. <sighs> The phrase refers to a territory between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, which includes the state of Israel, as well as the Palestinian territories of West Bank and Gaza. Thank you for giving us that kind of cover, Amazon Prime Washington Post. Now, Ms. Hagan has taught in the Montgomery School since 2015. She teaches 6th and 7th grade math at Argyle. She describes herself as a homegrown educator dedicated to making her students feel seen, to feel loved, heard, and appreciated. How about to be educated? How about to learn something? Anyway, she added the controversial phrase to her email signature in October. Other Argyle colleagues at the time had Black Lives Matter, or a link to an article titled, Should You Put Pronouns in Email Signatures and Social Media Bios in Their Email Signatures? She came up with some screenshots of these. But on November 20th, after parent-teacher conferences, Ms. El Hagan was told by her school principal that she would be placed on administrative leave because of her email signature, according to the complaint. She was informed that the school system policy bars quotes in email signatures, especially those with political references. Her school's principal told her he'd be sending her a letter of support 
and and trying to advocate on her behalf, but she was still put on administrative leave. Yeah. And look, I can believe this teacher. I can believe her from this standpoint. Oh, yeah, the Black Lives Matter thing. I bet you there were a whole bunch of teachers putting that stuff on there. And these people said, ah, no problem. Yeah, okay. For the river to the sea, oh, no, you got to go. Because this whole Black Lives Matter thing is, it, you know, there was an article about that. Someone wrote a piece about it. And it's either the New York Times or the Washington Post today about the double standards that we're seeing now. And the double standards, look, these liberals have been advocating for things like Black Lives Matter. And it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to throw kids. And this was the thrust of the article. I'll find it somewhere, the editorial that it's been okay to throw kids out on college campuses if they didn't say the right pronouns or to throw people out for misusing the, the saying the wrong pronoun or not identifying somebody's pronoun. Colleges have become a haven for censorship. And now, all of a sudden, these folks at Harvard, at MIT, at University of Penn, now, all of a sudden, they start equivocating when it comes to anti-Semitic speech. Oh, well, you know, that's permissible. Oh, that's permissible. But you say the wrong thing that offends certain of the identity politics groups. It is impermissible, and you will be gone. All right, phone calls coming up. Promise. 800-848-WABC is limited to call 800-848-9222. David Lastly passed away on this date in 2021, recording artist, singer-songwriter, known for his contributions as a background singer-songwriter. For such artists as Bonnie Raitt, James Taylor, Luther, who you hear here, Luther Vandross, Sheik, Aretha Franklin, Dionne Warwick, Dusty Springfield, Boz Skaggs. David Lastly, remembered here on WABC. Coming back to your calls a little bit later on in the next hour, we will hear from Princess Diana. Cannot wait. So keep it right here for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. The Queen brings us back. 
Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin here on WABC Talk Radio 77. I want to say this one was a Don Covey song. Don Covey, Queens, New York. Don Covey, brilliant songwriter and performer in his own right. Now this one, I think is one of his. Of course, performed by the Queen, Aretha Franklin. Heading to the telephones, let's go to Bob in Connecticut. Bob, you're up. Welcome. How are you? Uh, you really want to know? Well, as a semi-retired CPA, I ran my retirement numbers yesterday. And under this administration, uh... I'm okay, as long as I die by 3 o'clock on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that bad, huh? Yeah, a lot of people Uh, are hurting in the wallet, thanks to this administration and their policies. Yeah, but you keep changing all the topics on Saturday extravaganza. But anyway, let's hit a couple of them. Okay, let's hit them. Amazon is is great in that you don't have to get in the car and drive around to find what you're looking for. Yeah, she can sit there at, at her little uh, phone thing and find it and order it. And it. She, wait a minute! Wait! 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 Who's the Who's the she? Are you talking about Are you, are you talking about your wife? She can sit there on her little phone thing and find what she's looking for. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, I am, Mr. <laughs> so, so you love Amazon because she can sit there, look on her phone thing, find it, it comes to the door, and I don't have to get in my car and go all the way across town looking for things with she. Back and back to different stores to find it. It's like, okay, you get to one store, they don't have it. Let's go look at another store. It, it, it just comes to the door. You got to love it. You got to love it. Bob, my man, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Charlie from South Carolina has been waiting for quite some time. Welcome, Charlie. How are you this morning? I'm fine, Mr. Snurdly. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to comment about Eric Adams. I think the same thing is happening to him that happened to Andrew Cuomo. He uh, upset the, the political people on his side of the aisle, so now they're trying to get rid of him, you know, because he went to Washington, complained about the uh, federal aid he wasn't getting for the illegal uh, immigrants. And the uh, the other thing I'd like to mention real quick is uh, – have you heard uh, Tucker Carlson interviewed uh, Alex Jones? Uh, if you've heard that, I'd like to know your opinion. I have that. read about the, the, the Tucker and Alex Jones interview. There's a lot that was flying around it on Twitter. I didn't have a chance to watch that episode yet. Tucker is putting out these episodes fast and furious on Twitter. And, man, he is having some kind of impact. So I read a lot of um, text flying by about the Alex Jones. Now, i got to be totally candid with you. Uh, Alex Jones is not one of my go-to people for news and information. 
Just not. I think but, he's a little bit too big on the conspiracy stuff, don't you think? And Tucker. Yes. Yes. I think the conspiracy wacko, the conspiracy, excuse me, I'm sorry. The conspiracy theorist love Alex Jones for the stuff that he, some of the stuff that he does. Yes. Uh-huh. Supposedly so, predicted 9-11 and all of that, you know, but mm. anybody could have predicted that, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But, you know, let me just go back to what you said, because how right you are. So here's the deal. Eric Adams complains. He's whining. He's stomping his feet. He's gnashing his teeth. He's got the spittle coming out the side of his mouth. He's so mad because Joe Biden won't give him money. And he's a sanctuary city. He's got all these illegal immigrants here. He's got to cut his budget. It's making him more unpopular because New Yorkers are not getting the services they want or they pay for so that he can give those services and resources to people that are not citizens of the United States of America who have come here illegally. So he complains, he complains, he complains. Joe Biden came to New York and didn't even bother to check in with Eric. Joe Biden's like, eh, whatever. See you later, Eric. Finally. Finally, Eric complains enough that Joe Biden says, okay, you can come down to the White House. Come down to Big White. So, Eric Adams hops on the plane, whatever he or I don't know whether maybe he was in his electric vehicles. I think he took a plane. Hop down to Washington, D.C. He's there. This is the day. Finally. He's at the Big White, and he's going to have his meeting with the Big White, with Joe Biden. Right before the meeting starts, he gets a call. Next thing you know, Eric says, I got to go. I can't stay. No one could figure out for hours what had happened. Then we learn that Joe Biden's Department of Justice henchmen have got Eric Adams in their target hairs through his campaign finance gal. And all of a sudden, we learn later on that the mayor of New York was hit up on the street getting into his car. His security forces were told, get back. Stand back. Eric, get your hiney in the car. Now give us your phones. Give us everything. And then they took all of his devices and copied everything on them. So, yes, Eric Adams did something to somebody because the DOJ. And does anybody in this audience really think that the DOJ under Joe Biden is above board? The DOJ has Eric Adams in their crosshairs. Political crosshairs? They have, they have Eric Adams and it has been an uncomfortable Eric Adams ever since. So, Charlie, in South Carolina, you have nailed it. He, we, somebody in the Biden administration did not like all that anti-Joe Biden talk. Joe, you better give us money. Joe Biden, this is your fault. We need money. You sound like a Republican, Eric, and we're going to take care of that real quick. You better learn not to ever, ever open your mouth 
and criticize your Democrat president. And we're going to teach you a lesson, Eric. Has that one. Charlie nailed that one. All right. Our number duo in the can. We're going to check in with Noam Layden in WABC News. When we get back, more of your calls, more news stories, and, and... Princess Di, we're coming to you a little bit early because I need time with you. So much has happened this week. So Princess Di will join us as well on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. It continues, as always. If you're on hold, stay on hold. Your calls are a part of it. And we're coming back. We're not leaving. We're just switching gears. And Norm Layden is taking over right now to inform us all on the news and happenings here at WABC. says pushback don't push and there won't be any pushback outrageous <clears throat> well anyway wabc talk radio 77 yes my friends it is Bo nearly with you here it is our saturday morning radio extravaganza if you want to be part of the program we have one hour left we will be speaking with her majesty her royalnessness princess dies shortly here on wabc I cannot wait. I've been looking forward to this because there are so many things to discuss with Her Highness, including I want to know if she stole on this whole Michelle Obama kick, or whether she's willing to concede she lost already uh, with that one, with me. Anyway, uh, let's see. Joe Biden is being mocked after he botched the announcement. You know, they're getting ready to put... $8.2 billion in new federal funds for 10 passenger rail projects across the country. $8.2 billion. So Joe Biden goes out to make the announcement. One of them is a a, a train from L.A. to, uh, to Las Vegas. And it's supposedly going to cut the time to get to the Vegas so you can go if you're fleeing Los Angeles for somewhere safer and you want to escape to Las Vegas for a day or two, maybe, you know, you can get there a lot faster. They think it's going to have over 11 million passengers a year, powered entirely by renewable energy. Give me a freaking break. Anyway, <clears throat> Joe Biden is out making the announcement. And he says... That the cost was over a billion, three hundred million, trillion, three hundred million dollars. Now, again, the cost is eight point two billion dollars. So he gets to how much this thing is going to cost, and your president says it's going to cost over a billion, three hundred million, trillion, three hundred million dollars. And everybody say, "Oh no, he screwed up again." It's another, he, he did it again. It's another gaffe. My friends, 
Let us not assume that this is a gaffe. It may very well, by the time every Democrat gets their beak wet on this thing, by the time they get through paying money to every union boss, every union thug, every union member, by the time they get through paying off the developers, by the time they get through acquiring the land, by the time they get through finding ways to spend your money on this high-speed train, it might very well cost one billion three hundred million trillion three hundred million dollars. Maybe it wasn't a gaffe. Maybe he was telling you the truth. And if you think about it, look at what they told you. We have fans in Massachusetts. I hear from some of them. Look, remember the big dig? Remember what that was supposed to cost and what it actually came up? Look at the Third Avenue subway station. That has been, I mean, how many years and what the cost over? Democrats spend money on so-called infrastructure, and the price, it's just like everything else. If they tell you, yeah, well, we're going to, you know, we're starting this new government health care thing. We're, we anticipate the cost will be, you know, $20 billion, and it ends up being a trillion. So don't assume that this was a gaffe. I'm going to do this one in a podcast. The orcas have been attacking yachts. And there was a big story about this orca poor thing that was in captivity, and they were set to release him. The orca died. The orcas, I think, are mad. I think the orcas have had it. I think the orcas really want to destroy SeaWorld entirely and anybody that had anything to do with it. The orcas are mad at the fishing people. The orcas are not happy. But I got to find out more about that before we... So, and then... There's, do you, do you like Gerard Depardieu? The French actor, Gerard Depardieu. Well, he's coming under scrutiny now. Big story about that from ABC News. He's coming from scrutiny on, about his behavior toward women in France. He's made obscene remarks and gestures at women. He did this when he was in North Korea, and so now... Gerard Depardieu is being uh, looked at. There are a bunch of stories about black hair. There's this one case in Texas. I don't have this in front of me, so I just have to do this from memory. This poor kid. This kid has been thrown out of school in and out a number of times. He has a neat hairstyle, but it has some corn, not butt, and it has cornrows in it. But it's a very neat hairstyle. And the administrators down there are like throwing him out of school because they say his hair violates their code. Very suspicious. And now the situation has happened with a woman, another black kid in, uh, uh, where is this? In Maryland. I wonder, is this in, I wonder, is this in Montgomery County? Who was kicked off for some cheer team after somebody's fighting about her hair. They don't like her hair. I used to think that this stuff with the Crown Act, this is this legislation 
You can't discriminate against black people because they're here. When I first heard it, I said, oh, here's some other liberal nonsense. I'm not so sure. I think you have a lot of liberals who are imposing their views on what black people ought to look like and what's permissible for them to wear. It's, it's, to me, the whole thing is obscene and disgusting. But that's for another day. Here's a question, and we'll get back to a call or two, and then we'll check in with Princess Di. Here's a question that was raised by the, an article in the Daily BS earlier this week. Trump skipped all of the GOP primary debates this year. Has it mattered? <laughs> Has it mattered? And then I have one I'm going to hold this one for Princess Di. I got a story I got to ask her about. Okay. Let us get back to the uh, telephones, shall we? Uh, let's go to Margaret in New York. Margaret, you're on Boston Early. Uh, I was about to say Rush Hour. It's our, it's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you? Okay, Bo. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about anti-Semitism. And yes. you and Noam were speaking about how uh, surprised you know you were how, how things are coming out lately. But I'm not that surprised. I remember when the uh, made-for-TV movie Holocaust came out. I yeah. was in my mid to my early to mid twenties. Um, people I worked with were my age, and so we had all come through. Parents who had come through World War Two, the, the Depression, World War Two, and uh, my my coworkers were surprised. We didn't know this. Oh my gosh, you know, and and I'm thinking, how could they not know this? My 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 parents talked to me about this stuff. Uh, we're not Jewish, but you know, it was something that had happened very significant in this world. Um, also, the other thing is, is um, somebody that I knew in my family who was raised in Europe. He was born here, was raised in Europe, and his mother, to keep him from wandering away from the home, told him that if you know he was a little boy and she didn't want him to wander away. If he if he wandered too far, Jewish people were going to get him, put him in a barrel that had knives stuck into it, and roll him down a hill. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and and that person grew up and was afraid of Jewish people, and until he discussed it with a doctor who happened to be Jewish, and he figured it out, that memory came back to him of his mother saying that. Um, he was he. Once he realized what had happened, it didn't bother him anymore. And that doctor actually became a good friend of his and, you know, like loved him like an uncle. But My I think God. there's a lot more to, to this than just only in the schools. Oh, I, there's no question that is there's no question that it's more than just the schools. All you have to do is look at some of the celebrity class, like the Susan Sarandon types. Uh, right. Look at some of the things that have been spread out of Hollywood. And now some of these people in Hollywood have to backtrack because once they open their mouths, they realize, oops, my career is hanging kind of in the balance here because a lot of people are not going to like this. But you look at these yep. statements and they're everywhere. And that's why I think it's so surprising and so outrageous about it, Margaret. Well, Margaret, thank yeah. you for sharing that with us. We appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. Um, in you. you know, this this hate has got to stop, folks. It really does. This is it's in it's it's there are no words for how awful it is Saturday morning radio extravaganza when we get back princess Di will join us if you're on hold stay on hold because we are going to take more calls today too 
on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Boss Gags takes us in. We've all been we've been celebrating off the music of David Lasley, who performed with Bonnie Raitt, James Taylor, Luther Sheik, Aretha, Dion Warwick, Dusty Springfield, and Boz Skaggs. Coming back, Princess Di will join us. Don't go away. It's time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, her royalness ness is in the house. Okay? Yes, she is. And we're so delighted to have her here. Can't wait. We've been looking forward to it all week long as things unfolded. And now the moment of truth. Your Highness... Your Majesty. <laughs> What's going on, baby? What's going on, Princess Di? How are you? I am good, Sir James. How are you? I'm okay. Um, so I got to ask you about a bunch of stuff. I know you have some things you you want to talk about, but I got to ask you. Number one, do you like Amazon? I love Amazon. I, you know, I have a basic pipeline from our local distributorship to my front door because I <laughs> must get two or three boxes a day. And I often forget what I ordered. So it's like opening Christmas presents to myself from myself. I just love Amazon. I was an early adapter. And when they first came and only sold books, and I signed up right away because the concept was so fabulous that you, you know, basically had, as your caller said, products come to you. And people were so, so surprised. They were like, well, don't you worry about your credit card being compromised or any. In the beginning, there were a lot of people nervous about the idea of online commerce. And I had no problems. I never had any problems. And uh, ever since then, I have been a devotee of Amazon. All right. Yeah. So now the government wants to screw them around because, you know, they're too popular. Um, look, yeah. there are a lot of things. I, and I make the difference between Amazon Web Services. That's a whole nother batch of stuff. And people don't understand that Amazon, through their web services, controls a great deal of what happens on the Internet. And so when you start talking about issues like throttling and other stuff, okay, that's a whole different conversation. But just the platform Amazon, the way that these people are talking, they stifle competition. Amazon has grown competition. You can go on their website and find stuff from everywhere. Right. The, and, and compare prices on the spot in ways you could never do before Amazon. And they have whole, you know, they have an, um, opened up the whole category of local businesses and small businesses. And you can specifically go to local businesses in your area on the Amazon platform. They support local businesses because that was one of the big criticisms. And they have found ways to actually open the door to that more than anybody would ever find on their own just walking down their local town street. Okay, now. 
Derek, when he was on, came up with this theory, and I, it, it may be time for you to say finally to announce to the world that you were wrong and I was right, that it won't be Michelle Obama. It may be time right now for that to happen. Uh, I'm not sure. But, excuse me? Let what? me tell you. I have to tell you. Did you happen to watch Rosalind Carter's funeral at all? No, I, I read about it. I didn't watch it. Okay. Anybody who saw Michelle Obama. Oh, here we go. I am telling you, because she had a European makeover, she was away for months and months and has come back gorgeous, sleek, sophisticated, chic. She looked like a different person. She looked beautiful. She has lost considerable weight. She has, you know, done probably one of the celebrity diet and exercise plans, but she looks amazing. And she was standing next to Melania and outshone her. Not to say Melania is, you know, in any way negative, but but Michelle Obama looked statuesque and stunning. And I said to myself, she's running. So... Let me tell you, that is my, you know, go-to theory, and I think her makeover uh, enforces my theory. Okay. So you're not ready to concede yet. Because um, she's not running. She's not going to ever be president. She's not going to run for president. No run. one no she one is going it. to appoint her president. She, she will never run. She does not have to run. She has to make it to the Democrat National Convention, August 19th, 2024. And that's when I have said all along, there's going to be a floor fight. And that is what will emerge from the Democrat Convention. So I what, wanted what, to what, say... Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. What dates are those again? What dates did you just say? August 19th through 22 in Chicago. I just wanted to say Chicago which is run by Obama. Chicago is run by the criminals. Maybe the same thing as Obama. Okay, but 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 so on 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 whatever it is the 23rd or 24th Monday whatever day is after where this thing ends, it will not be Michelle Obama and you will owe me $100. It will not okay. be Michelle Obama and I want my money. Okay. All right. Now we will wait until then to to ante up. Okay. Now Derek Hunter said something about uh, um, the the Biden golden parachute, and uh, so what? What do you think? Yes, I agree with him on that. He was saying that uh, the Democrat Party has been trying to get uh, Biden to, on his own, depart. And I've been saying the same thing, not by any information, but just watching the behavior. They've been trying privately to get him to do it. They've been gone public now with criticism from Axelrod and a lot of other Obama forces. And I just wanted to say that the idea that this uh, indictment of Hunter is part of that you know, pressure on Biden tells me you all you have to do is look at who the judge is. Mark Scarcy, member of the Republican National Lawyers Association, a member of the Federalist Society, was chosen randomly to oversee the new charges against Hunter. And he is a Trump appointed law, uh, judge. He sits in the Central District of California, and he oversees Los Angeles. 
Now, you know he is a, a team of one who was appointed by Trump in Los Angeles. And if you think that this was a random appointment, you don't know how California works or Los Angeles. So the fact that you got a Trump judge overseeing this tells me that this is going to be done by the book. And Hunter is indeed in legal trouble as opposed to what we've all said all along, nothing will happen to him. Okay, well, this judge is not the typical judge you would expect. So I think this is another tightening of the screws on Biden because his son is in legal trouble. And the theory that Derek advanced that he will pardon him, I think is quite likely. Wow. Okay. I want to get back to what Derek said about the appropriation stuff later. Right now, let's talk about Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney has her panties in a wad because Donald Trump said trolling the left, trolling them, obviously trolling the left on the Sean Hannity, on the Sean Hannity town hall he did. There have been all these articles, and we read some. We talked about it here. Oh, Trump's going to be a dictator. He's going to dictate. He's, he's an awful dictator. That, by the way, article is still one of the most widely read political pieces in the country. That article that was, I think, New York Times is still being read by people about how they better get off the, the, and stop pretending otherwise Trump is going to win and he's going to be a dictator. Okay, so Trump goes on. He's asked about this thing with Hannity, and he says, "Oh, I'm not going to be a dictator, except on day one." He's obviously trolling these people, and yet you have Liz Cheney, and you have all these other people. Liz has got her panties in a wad about it, and you've got all these other people that she wears. I never. That's not a good thought. And anyway, um, um, everyone's upset because Trump is just making fun of them. I, they have no sense of humor. And, I, you know, I think that those of us who, who follow Trump and remember a very similar joke he made when he one of the first debates that Megyn Kelly had asked him in 2015, you've called women you don't like fat pigs, dog slobs, disgusting animals. And Trump immediately said only Rosie O'Donnell. And right. won the debate probably presidency right there. And it was a very simple, it is his sense of humor. He just comes right back. It's a very New York kind of, you know, sarcasm. And it was hilarious. I mean, it was something that I replayed on my video multiple times because it was so funny. And it basically defanged the accusation because he's basically saying, yes, I, I, his, his prescriptions were he's going to close the border and drill, drill, drill. And then he said, after that, I'm not a dictator. (laughs) 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 But you're right. They have all taken it seriously. And I found an old slate piece uh, from 2015. Watch Donald Trump receive enormous applause for horribly misogynistic Republican debate answer. They they took it seriously then with the Rosie O'Donnell. They do not know how to handle someone who's fast on their feet and is making fun of them. And they take it seriously. And the results have been... As you noted, everyone is like, this is a bizarre answer. This shows how dangerous he is. And the fellow that you referenced, Robert Kagan, who in the Washington Post wrote, a Trump dictatorship is increasingly inevitable. We should stop pretending, has written a follow-up 
yesterday, the Trump dictatorship, how to stop it, referencing this. And he's the left is saying, see, see, he admits it. He's going to be a dictator. That's how they are taking it, including the Biden administration, which brings me to a hilarious piece from the other day from in Politico. Listen to this headline. Trump's dictator remark puts 2024 campaign right where Biden wants it. Oh, my. <laughs> the president team is is narrowing down on remarks by the GOP front run, front runner to showcase why Biden views Trump as a threat to democracy. So they are taking this joke and they are building a campaign. They didn't have anything else to run on. But now this is what's going to be the campaign, which is I say, try it. Go for it. More power to you. If that's what you think that you're going to run on, Joe Biden, that that uh, Trump and MAGA Republicans are a threat to democracy. How's that been working out for you? Because he's been saying that all along. I just I love it. These people, they absolutely zero sense of humor at all. Now, I understand. And I did not read it. So I cannot wait to hear your take on this. That Thomas Edsel has a column this is grim. What's yeah. that about? What is yeah. so grim? Well, to remind people who Thomas Edsel was, he is somebody that Rush used to reference a column from 2011 very often. It was called The Future of the Obama Coalition in the New York Times, November 27, 2011, basically saying the Democrat Party had deliberately decided to ditch the white working class. They were going right. to, I'm going to read who they are going for, a revised Democrat alliance in which whites without college degrees are replaced by well-educated, socially liberal whites in alliance with the growing ranks of less affluent minority voters, especially Hispanics. So this is who they want. Professors, artists, designers, editors, human resources managers, lawyers, librarians, social workers, teachers, and therapists, plus poor African Americans and Hispanics. This was Obama's deliberate uh, uh, target for who he was going to put together, which would, in, in his view, win Democrat elections going forward. Well, it turns out that you live by the Obama coalition. You can die by the Obama coalition because the same columnist now, 12 years later, is writing this. The coalition that put Joe Biden in the White House in the first place is nowhere as strong as it was four years ago. Fraying support among young voters, black voters, Hispanic voters, and the decline of the traditional Democrat advantages and interest representing the middle class. And so basically, this, this is from the same uh, pollster, Stan Greenberg, that made the uh, column possible in 2011. Listen to this. This is what Greenberg said. This is grim. Found that collectively voters in the Democrat base of Blacks, Hispanics, Asian, LGBTQ+, Gen Z, Millennials, unmarried, and college women gave Trump higher approval ratings than Biden. Whoa. So this very coalition... Whoa. 
that has, was started under Obama, that they worked hard to basically ditch white working class voters and concentrate their political largesse and their attention on the you know librarian class has now come back to bite them. And it's the same people who are now, especially the youth and the minority minority vote, are very much going toward Trump. And so they basically did this to themselves. This was a purposeful political strategy. And we all thought it was working for a while. And this, I think, has surprised the entire political class because it is actually backfiring, which is a wonderful thing to see because it's wonderful to see all of these groups that were lied to by the Democrat Party waking up. Wow. Stunning, stunning, stunning. Okay, so I I tried to rag Derek on this. He didn't bite. Poor Kevin is gone. I'm I'm look, I'm not gonna try to rag Kevin McCarthy, as you call one of the McFails, on his way out the door. I'm not gonna do that. But I'm not also crying either. Now, I made the point that today we have in this appropriations process. We are seeing small victories, but incremental victories that are happening with the House. And incrementalism is what you're going to get with divided government. So some of the things that Republicans wanted out of the defense bill are happening. For instance, they're putting a check on some of this um, transgender business with drag queens performing in the military and trying to figure out how this happened. They're also trying to figure out um, some of the other uh, uh, things that have plagued the defense community. And they're getting some small wins. They didn't get the big one they wanted, which was to stop this flagrant violation of the Supreme Court abortion policy in the military. They didn't get that, but they're getting some small victories. And I say this is due to the new speaker. We have a new speaker. We are attempting to get back to regular order slowly, And so now you have these bills that are actually being debated. There's political movement in some of it. And um, it's not just the, oh, let's wrap it all up in a big CR and get it signed at the end. Right now, the process is beginning after decades now of not having a regular process. I see this as progress. Uh, Derek Buhudit, oh, Kevin McCarthy had all these appropriations bills going. What's your take on all of this, Princess Di? Well, aside from his point of view defending, you know, the legacy of McCarthy, which I am not going to comment on, I just wanted to comment factually that he was wrong about the appropriations bills that had been passed under McCarthy. He was out October 3rd. By then, there were only, and I have said this before, four appropriations bills passed. In 11 months, that was the time that McCarthy had to work on it, and he didn't. He just kicked the can down the road, and then at the very end, uh, a few days before he was ousted, he finalized the the four uh, appropriations bills. Since the new speaker, Mike Johnson, became the speaker October 25th, now we have seven of the 12 bills passed. So in just over a month and a half, He has shepherded three appropriations bills through Congress. So the record just on the numbers are not what Derek claimed, which is basically there's no difference because this guy has gotten it 
a, a very complicated in the weeds process uh, speeded up and they're actually working as and as opposed to what happened under McCarthy. So I just wanted to get those numbers out there right. Right. There were only four in the 11 months under McCarthy. And already we've got three more in a month and a half under uh, Mike Johnson. Okay, next time we talk, let us uh, leave some time to talk about one of the other McPhails, and that's Ronna McPhail, and her announcement that, uh, which I don't have time to do today, about CNN. We have time for the CNN carrying the Republican primary debates. I'm like, are you serious? But anyway, Princess Di, as always, a wealth of information. I can't wait to dig in to that uh, This Is Grim poll number. I'm, I'm going to look for that. I missed that one, so thank you for bringing it to my attention and to our attention. Always. Always, you never fail to deliver, with the exception of your Michelle Obama stuff, which you'll pay for. Thank you for James. (laughs) Princess Di, always a pleasure. Princess Di, ladies and gentlemen, Bo Snurley, and it is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We're coming back with your calls, so please keep it right here on WABC and enjoy your Saturday with us. Dionne Warwick takes us in. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. The year 2000 on this day, U2 makes their first ever appearance on that relic of what used to be a great program, Saturday Night Live. They played this one, Beautiful Day. They also played Elevation on that show. You too. On WABC, heading back to the telephones, we go. And let us go to Tom in Woodbridge. No selling of books. Tom, how are you this morning? Hello, Tom. Going once, Tom. Going twice, Tom from Woodbridge. Going three times and gone. Andrew in New Jersey, you are up next on WABC. Okay, we must be having some kind of issue with the phones. Well, I don't quite understand what's going on here. But we'll just come back to it and see whether the phones are there. Put everybody back on hold. Let's see whether they're there. Um, I, by the way, I got to find out more about this group. I talked about this with Noam, this group called Concerned Americans that are, that are just splattering in El Paso, Texas, these big ads, sanctuary city ads, and, and they in the okay, website. We, oh, there we go. We got we got some calls. Who's this? Is this Tom, or who this is this? Is Andrew, no. Andrew from Stanhope. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? Good, Norman Lear. You had mentioned that his images, his shows of African Americans were derogatory, and you also with Italians too. He portrayed us derogatory way, but uh. You like the Cosby show. You said how refreshing, but I was surprised that you wouldn't be maybe insulted that because it's condescending. First, it wasn't at all funny where Sanford and Son was funny. And I worked at the Newark Museum and some of my black colleagues, they seem offended by the Cosby show. My friend was saying, well, I get it. He's a doctor and you're a lawyer and you're rich, but why is that funny? Like, Name one thing that Claire Huxpool ever did that was funny. 
she was never the butt of the jokes because the image or the political correctness or what we call wokeness, she was the black female, so she was superior to Bill Cosby because he was a male. Name one thing she ever did on the show that was funny. And your guest that you had before said Michelle Obama has beautiful makeover, which is great, but is that actually funny? Like, she's beautiful, good. Well, that wasn't meant to be funny. Let me let me comment on this Claire Huxtable thing. Apparently, you never lived in a black family. Because you don't make fun of the black woman in the black family either. You better not, okay? I'm just saying. If you know it's good for you, that don't fly. And slapstick, I said, was derogatory, okay? The kind of slapstick humor. Now, and I didn't use the word derogatory. I said I watched it. And let me be real clear. I watched all those programs when I was a kid. I watched Good Times. I watched... Sanford and Son. I watched it. And when later on, when I grew up, when I got a little older and went back and saw some of these things in rerun, I said to myself, this stuff is like our version of what, Amos, what, what the complaints were about Amos and Andy. It's kind of slapstickish. It's all black buffoonery, right? And that's what I get from white liberals in the media, their view of black people. And I said it, and I'm not going to back down from it. If you look at the majority of black programming put on TV by white liberals, it is black people are buffoons. They are idiots. If they're not buffoons, they're hoes, drug dealers, biatches, and other stuff. You get stereotypical views of black people from liberal Hollywood. And we have. And I noticed it then, and I noticed it now. The same way that white liberals in the music industry flooded, flooded the marketplace with derogatory, misogynistic rap music that they wouldn't even let their own kids listen to because the stuff was so vile. They wouldn't let this stuff in their own homes, but they could flood it through every community in America. Okay, stuff basically saying, let's kill each other. Let's call our women all sorts of horrible names. Let's, let's amplify sex. And believe me, sex has been going on in music for a long time. I listen to music about sex. I listen to Marvin Gaye's I Want You album. In fact, I listened to it the other day. But it wasn't on the vile nature that some of this stuff is that I'm talking about. And so who are the executives that let this stuff flow through? And so, yeah, I'm not going to back down from that. If you look at the media empire from white liberals and the way that they largely, and not, I'm not saying this is every case, largely portray black Americans, where do these stereotypes about black people come from? They come from white liberals in the media. And many of them, as I look back on it, were disgusting. Not gonna give off that. So, but I do, Andrew, you know I love you. I appreciate your, I appreciate your views. And the Cosby show was, it, it, it was the critics, you may remember this. It was the number one show on NBC. It brought NBC back into fiscal health because that show was so popular back then. So it may have had a few detractors. But that show was widely popular. We got to take a break. Coming back, more of your calls when we get back on the other side. Don't go away. 
Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Oh, yeah, one of my favorites from Chic. I want your love on WABC Talk Radio 77. And let's try again for Tom and Woodbridge. Tom, what's on your mind? Me okay? Yep, we hear you. Okay, terrific. Uh, and actually, would help that I took you off speakerphone. Uh, but if I will, uh, I'd like to comment on the uh, Gaza situation. And uh, one one person in particular, Chuck Schumer, uh, with regard to you know the violence going on there uh, on, on both sides. Not it's not a one sided conflict. It's definitely been uh, two sided with regard to atrocities going on in that region of the world. But I want to make clear that. You know, aside from the threat posed by Hamas to Israel, Israel has a no-nonsense approach with regard to migrants breaking into their country from the third world, particularly from Africa in this case, because they have a, a border with the African continent through the Sinai Peninsula. And what they do is that, you know, they have a no-nonsense, uh, you know, approach in, in so far as that anyone who's uh, caught in the country illegally uh, from third world countries from sub-Saharan Africa, they're, you know, pretty much put into detention centers uh, and they're in the process of deporting, as we speak, tens of thousands of uh, people who've crossed into uh, Israel illegally. They also have a very elaborate security fence. It's, it's more so, like um, a wall. Than a- let me ask you a question. Do they let the other people go that aren't from Africa, or is it only Africans trying to get in? Nobody else tries to get in illegally. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just using the African as just simply an example. I mean, there are definitely other people from Tunisia and et cetera, other parts. I mean, Tunisia is in Africa. That's what I mean. Uh, but, you know, in other parts of the world. So, come in. for instance, if someone tried to illegally immigrate from Europe, would they allow them to stay or would they kick them out, too? No, they would actually. They would also uh, kick them out because there's a huge problem with regard to. Uh, oh, I crime. see. Yeah, right. So they are. So they are. <clears throat> so they are pretty strict with their immigration laws. Period. Something that we all wish would happen here. Correct. With regard, yeah, correct. But with regard to Chuck Schumer, you know, he's one of the. He says that he's the Shomer, or in Hebrew, it means the guardian of Israel in the Senate. Now, again, the Israelis have integrity with regard to their borders and their immigration policy. But Chuck Schumer is one of the loudest proponents of open borders migration into the United States. He, he's, he's calling. He's called for unlimited immigration into the United States, a complete contravention of the federal immigration laws. I mean, there's a process if you want to become a citizen. You know, you just simply don't traipse across the border, you know, when the uh, when the spirit moves you. There's a process. There's, how is it fair to the millions of people who want, to, or who want to legally immigrate to the United States if you have tens of millions of people pouring across the Rio Grande illegally entering the country? And again, it's, it's something that, you know, again, the double standard that you see in the media with people like Chuck Schumer, the late Diane Feinstein. These people are open borders immigration fanatics. And again, when, when you have a situation where you have a country that we're giving our tax dollars, $4 billion a year to Israel to have a security wall in their country, and yet we have our own border wide open to God knows who's coming across. Speaking of terrorists and Hamas. And that, no- by the way, that, by the way, is a great point. And I appreciate you for bringing it up. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. 
Adam in Mineola. You are up next, Adam. Thank you for waiting. Can't wait to hear what you have to say, my friend. Good morning, sir. I guess I missed Derek. But anyway, I heard the lady that was on. Um, Princess Di. She's Princess your majesty. Di. Hey, Princess Di. Right. Uh, you got one thing mixed up, Princess Di, and that is... That is, they got something else to run on, abortion, son. They got abortion, sir, to run on. That's going to be number one, and the, the, the democracy is going to be number two. Don't forget what the Democrats did to you with all those uh, these last few elections after Roe versus Wade went down the tubes. So we're going we're gonna to party on that. We're going to get you real good on that. Do you gonna- know how sick that sounds that you're going to party on abortion? Do you do you honestly hear yourself, Adam? You know, I love you, but Adam, that just sounds sick. We're going to party on abortion. Yeah, that's just pathetic, Adam. I expect so much better from you. You're such a good guy. We're going to party on abortion. Wow. Okay, Adam, we will take your words under advisement. Thank you so much. Joyce, in Connecticut, you are up next. Yes, hi, Bo. I just, you know, I know I've told you this before, but I do want to say that I listen to your station every day, and it's so great that on a Saturday you do different stories. I mean, I understand the importance of what's going on in our world, but there's only so much that you can keep repeating the same things. And it's so good that you come to the table with all different kinds of stories and information. That's wonderful. I just wanted to say keep up the good work, and God bless you. Well, thank you, Joyce. I appreciate that. It makes the work worthwhile to get up early and to do this. Thank you so much, Joyce. I really do appreciate that. Uh, Ralph, in new something or another, Ralph, you're up next. How are you? I'm doing well, Mr. Golden. How are you today? Good, thank you. What's on your mind? uh, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to mention what's going on with Donald Trump and his uh, trial with the loans. How could it be that he gets prosecuted for his loans and the banks are happy they made money, and this president wipes out student loan and puts it on the backs of the taxpayer, and also the Biden family is making these false loans, and no one prosecutes them, but they're always after Donald Trump? Why is that? Because they hate Donald Trump, and because this is not a prosecution. This is a persecution. It is a political persecution by political operatives, and who are posing as judges and prosecutors. Letitia James is a political operative. She said before there was any case she wanted to go after Donald Trump. She ran on that. Get me in. I I will get him. I'm going to get him. That is not the way that prosecutions are supposed to work in this country. Now, oh, I'm in office. Now let's find something to get him on. It is hateful. It is political. But that's who she is. This judge, give me a break. I cannot wait till some of this stuff gets on appeal. Andrew Giuliani brought up something really important on the show when he was on Thursdays with us. The judge telling Trump, I'm not here to listen to you. Well, yes, you are. You are supposed, the judge unilaterally declared there's not going to be a jury trial. No, I'm going to do this myself. And then when he gets the defendant, he tells the defendant, 
I'm not here to listen to you. He's already got his mind made up. Well, we already knew that. This is a criminal persecution. It is not a prosecution. My friends, three hours comes to an end so quickly. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your family, your loved ones, love and gratitude for your being here with me and allowing me to be with you. God willing, we are back on Monday for Bo Snurley's Rush Hour at 4 o'clock and look forward to seeing you then and hearing you then. Have a great weekend. Thanks to my crew, as always. Half Britain, Nick, Carlos, TJ, Kev, Princess Di, America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock, Derek Hunter. And we'll see you later. Bye.